Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. If you were here a few weeks ago, you would have heard me talk all about masterpieces. Does anybody remember that? Were you here? If you weren't here, here's your 30 second recap. Um, we looked at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, which we should have a verse on the, on the screen there, which says, We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And uh, we talked about how God calls us his masterpiece. In creation, he created everything. And if you remember, he said um, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then when he created us, mankind, he said it was very good. So he distinguishes us from the rest of creation with a pinnacle of all that he created. And he says, you're a masterpiece. We're created in his image, just like God. And we looked at how we therefore should see ourselves and how we should see one another. And if you remember, we had a mirror and we were looking at, sometimes we look in the mirror and there's things that we, which we see about ourselves which are not true. Some lies which um, are very easy for us to hear. And instead we can scrub those out and we can just write masterpiece. And every time we look at ourselves, we see what God has made us to be, which is a masterpiece, okay? And Today, I'm going to continue this. This is part two of the message. It's called The Masterpiece and the Master Plan, which I think is a cracking title, if I might say so myself. I come from a long line of people that love words in my family, so I do my best to <laughs> you know, fall in line. The Master Plan. And um, something else we looked at last time, if you remember, we've got a screen here with some pictures of architectural masterpieces. Do you remember this? Yeah, there's a few buildings or things in the world which people would consider masterpieces. And um, I like this slide because I like buildings. And um, there might be a couple of other people in the room here who like buildings and building things and um, building plans and things like that. Uh, when I was, I don't know, 13, 14 and of the age where you start to think, what should I do with my life? Um, my first thought was uh, maybe I'll be an architect because I loved getting building plans and drawing them and getting, sharpening my pencil. <laughs> Do people still sharpen pencils? I don't know. <laughs> sharpening my pencil and getting my ruler, drawing very straight lines that were measured exactly and, and angles and then writing little notes saying, well, this thing here is a thousand millimeters. And I loved all of that. It's, it's, yeah, you can laugh, Susan, it's fine. It's, it's quite funny. Um, but that's, I, I wanted to be an architect. And I wanted to be an architect because I loved buildings, which some people might think, oh, all right, good for you. <laughs> but I loved buildings. And I loved seeing the way that buildings were designed. And um, one of my favorite cities in the world is New York City, because when you go to New York, it's full of amazing buildings. And they're, they're huge. And they've all got slightly different designs. And I think the reason I love buildings is because when you look at a well-designed building, you see the work of the architect in the building. So you look at a building like the Guggenheim Museum, which is in New York, voted one of the best buildings in the world. And it's, it's amazing to look at. And when you look at this building, you can see what the architect was intending to do. A good building reflects the heart and the vision of the architect. And um, I was uh, looking a little bit at architects in preparation for this message. And... Um, Architects, uh, they, they are able to see 
the end result of a building before it's even been built or planned. That's, that's what they're able to do. They've got such amazing brains that they can see how something's going to look and work before it's even built. Um, they see the finished project, project and its potential, and then they, design, they can design the best way for that building to achieve the goal. That's what they do. Um, everything they design is designed specifically. Every part of the project has a specific purpose. It's chosen to do something specific in order to achieve what this building is supposed to achieve. Um, I also learned that architects have things called master plans, which is very handy because my title was the master plan. And um, I literally only discovered this this week and uh, I was looking at what a master plan was. A master plan basically is something that an architect draws up um, which is not just the building that they're designing, but it's the building in the context of like the environment and how the whole environment should be designed to accommodate the building and what the building is supposed to do. So there, there is things like infrastructure and um, all sorts of, of complicated things which Google will tell you. But the point is that when they, when they design this master plan, everybody on the project follows the master plan. Dan might know this because Dan works with lots of architects and they might have master plans. But everybody, if they've got a question about how something should be done, they refer to the master plan because this is the document which tells everybody this is how it's going to be built. Okay? Now, how does this relate to us and God? <laughs> um, <clears throat> a master plan is essential for a successful architectural project. Now, we know from the book of Genesis that God created everything. So we know God to be a creator. That familiar concept to us, God created the heavens and the earth. He created mankind. Um, the book of Hebrews doesn't just describe God as a creator, but he describes God as an architect and as a builder. So Hebrews 3, 4, um, every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Okay, so it describes God as a builder. Uh, Hebrews eleven ten. Um, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. God's a designer, he's a builder. Um, other translations say, um, whose architect and builder is God. Okay? So we can look to God as an architect or the greatest architect of all time. He architected. Is that a, is that a verb? I don't know. Somebody told me over here. <laughs> he architected the whole universe. Okay? So he's an architect. He's a creator, builder, designer, <laughs> architect. Now, um, has anybody seen Grand Designs? Yes. A few people. Kevin MacLeod, who there's always a point at about two-thirds of the way through where everything goes wrong, and it's the end of the world, and he says, what will they do? They've run out of money. And then you come back after the break, and they've found loads of money. In the <laughs> anyway, um, once a year, there, there's, there's, a, there's a show which is the Grand Designs House of the Year. All of the houses that are great, shortlisted, and a house is voted the house of the year. And I've got a video clip for us to watch of House of the Year 2021. Okay, so it's a couple of years old. And um, it's five minutes, so we're going to watch it up there. And um, there's a few phrases in here which I'm going to pull out later. So for now, just enjoy watching an amazing house and Kevin's wonderful voiceover. And... Um, I'll see you in five minutes. House. <laughs> it's a great house. 
So we'll come back to that a little bit later. Did you like that, Dan? I thought of Dan the whole time I was watching this video. Oh, Dan would like this. <laughs> okay, so we know that God is the, the greatest architect. Um, God is also the master planner. And the Bible is full of references to God's plans. Um, so <clears throat> I'm just going to read you some verses that describe how God is a planner, okay? Um, so Proverbs 19, 21. You, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Um, Isaiah 55, verse 8. My thoughts are nothing like yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. So God's plans, they excel or they exceed our plans. His plans are eternal. Psalm 33, verse 11. The Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Job 42, verse 2. Uh, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. So God's plans never fail. Nothing can stop God's plans. Um, his plans include us. Amos 3, 7. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. And Jeremiah 29, 11, which we, most of us will know. Um, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So God is he's not just a master architect, but he's a master planner. And therefore, he has a master plan. And that's what we're going to look at today. What is God's master plan? Um, if you would turn with me to uh, Ephesians 4. We're in Ephesians at the moment. And there's going to be several references from Ephesians today. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 10. Um, God's master plan is this. It's to extend and establish his kingdom on earth. God's master plan is to extend and establish his kingdom on earth. Okay? Um, it's for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to fill the earth in every way and for everything to be filled with himself. Okay? That's God's master plan. Ephesians 4 verse 10 says, um, The same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. If you want to keep Ephesians open, you can flick around as we, as we read these. Um, Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Okay, so Christ fills all things everywhere with himself okay so god's master plan is to extend and establish his kingdom on earth and he does that by filling all things everywhere with himself okay that's his master plan and the way that he outworks this master plan is through his people and uh, if you cast your mind back or you can flip back if you want but right back to genesis where we're introduced to Adam and Eve, the masterpieces, made in the image of God, called very good. Um, God fills them with his breath, doesn't he? They're, they're the only things, the only beings in creation that's filled with God himself. He breathes his life into them. He doesn't do that with any, anybody else or anything else. Um, he fills them with himself and they live with God in perfect harmony in the garden, just as he intended so God's plan to fill the earth with his kingdom, with himself, 
It started right there in Genesis. He fills his people. He's there in the garden with them. And he commissions them to extend his kingdom, to look after creation, to tend to it, to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the earth. That's what it says in Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. So two people filled with God, commissioned to fill the earth. Okay? Um, We know then that sin entered the world and brought a separation between us and God. That's what sin did. And so God's intention to fill everybody everywhere, everything, um, sin brings this, this separation that stops that. So God, God can't dwell where sin is dwelling because sin and God can't, they don't go together. Sin's not from God, it's not of God. But God's plan and intention was still to presence himself with his people. And so we read then through the Bible about um, Israel, which is essentially God's people. Okay, not the physical nation Israel, but Israel is the name given to God's people. And Israel, they're traveling through and they're lugging this box, this ark, which has the presence of God in it. And they camp around and then everybody's like, oh, the presence of God is in the ark. And then, then they build a tent for the presence of God to be in. And then a bit later, they build a temple for the presence of God to be in. And all the time, God is... He's, he's, he is kind of presencing, presencing himself with his people, but there's always something in the way. There's, there's a box, there's an ark, or there's a tent, or there's a temple. And even in the temple, there's like, there's the holy place and there's the holy of holy places. And actually only the priests can go in and get close to the temple because this separation still exists. There's still sin in the world. And so God's plan to, to fill the earth and for him to presence himself with his people, it's still there, but it's not fully being fulfilled and along comes Jesus of course who dies on the cross and he's the only person that could take away sin because he was fully holy and he's fully God and he dies so that the remember the 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 curtain tears in the temple and so that mankind now has a way again to enter into the presence of God and so God's plan was always to fill a people his plan was not to fill a tent his plan was not to fill a temple, but it's to fill people, okay? And Jesus made a way so that, that could happen as it was intended again. And so now the church, God's people, is the dwelling place for him, for his presence. And the church, if you like, is the great building um, or the great temple or the great house that was designed by the master architect and is being built by Jesus where God can live by his spirit. Okay? So God's master plan is the church and it includes the church. Um, if you pop the, uh, the next slide up, guys, Ephesians 2.10. Um, so the same verse that we read earlier. We are God's masterpiece. He created us in you in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Okay? God the architect, the master planner, we do the things that he planned for us long ago. Now, what does this look like? Now, being the budding architect that I am, I have God's master plan. I have it. Would you like to see it? All right. Just going to... What a great sound. Just going to unveil this. And um, I've got the whiteboard, hopefully, so that you can see it, um, if this fits on. 
Now, those in the room who actually have a degree in architecture or building planning can tell me how good the plan is here. I'm looking at Andrew and, uh, Andrew and uh, Dan over there. Um, this, is, this is the master plan, okay? Now, don't worry if you can't see it too much on here because I'm also gonna put it on the screen. Uh, this is good. Okay, you can see it up there as well. All right, Ooh, blue tax uh, sort of working. There we go. Okay, so the master plan. I've even gone to the trouble of um, making up what scale this is to. <laughs> and I'm assuming this is a top elevation. I mean, you, you guys tell me. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, good. Um, so, the, the master plan. This is it. Does that look familiar to anybody? What is it? it? It's a map of our area. And can anybody see some dots on there as well? Does anybody... Have I managed to find anybody's house on there? Yeah? Can you... Yeah, so, sort of. Who, who lives near Desborough? Chacals? Yeah? Can you see a dot on there that's like near your house? See, this is the thing. This is what God's master plan looks like. It's us, his people, carrying his presence wherever they go. So God's like, hmm, what should my master plan be for Market Harbour? I know. I'll pop Steve and Amandy there, and I'll pop Steve and Becky there, and I'll put John and Wendy there, and I'll put Dan and Lorna just here, and I'll put, well, Ethan's sort of over there somewhere. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll put these people there. And that's my master plan. It's simple. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put my people all around because they're carrying my presence and they're extending my kingdom and put them all around. That's it. That's the plan. And the thing is, this plan was determined ages ago. He didn't plan it because all of a sudden Andy and Jenny decided to move to Market Harbour. He had this plan way before the earth was created <laughs> because he knew that in 2023, Andy and Jenny would be living just down the road and they're two people that carry the presence of God yes. and they're here to extend his kingdom. Yeah. And that's the same for everybody in this room who lives in this area, the villages and all around. God's master plan is that we're involved in extending his kingdom. Okay? So his master plan, it's his people filling towns and villages, bringing his presence and extending his kingdom wherever they go. Now, we know that God's master plan, um, it, both, it is the church and it includes the church, and so we need to know what the church is. Um, the first mention of church from Jesus, uh, some may know, is in Matthew chapter 16. And there's this interaction between Jesus and uh, Simon Peter. And in Matthew 16, 15 to 18, uh, Jesus says to, to Simon, well, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter says, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, well, blessed are you, Simon, Simon, this translation says, Simon Bayona, Simon. Uh, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. So he's had this revelation that was revealed by God the father. It says that very clearly. He didn't, nobody said that to him. He, he understood from the father. He had a revelation. Um, Jesus says, I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. So you've got the word church there. It's the first time that Jesus um, describes church, okay? Um, it's, 
Jesus' church. It's not Stephen Russell's church. It's not, it's not my church. It's Jesus' church. Okay? Jesus builds his church. Um, and because Jesus builds it, it never fails. Because his plans can never fail. Um, the church is built on the foundation of Jesus and on the foundation of a revelation of who Jesus is. You know, when we're saved, it's because we have a revelation of who Jesus is. He's the saviour. And when we declare that Jesus is Lord, we are saved. So it's like, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. So Peter's having this uh, revelation. Oh, Jesus is the Lord. It says, right, I can build my church on this. Um, and it's also built on our declaration of who Jesus is and his declaration of who we are. Okay? So the church is built on our, we know who Jesus is and we believe and accept who he says we are. And it's on the revelation that the church is built. And what does it say? The gates of Hades will not overpower the church. And this is a promise of God. The church is victorious and it's strong. Um, the church belongs to Jesus, and the church and Jesus are one. They're inseparable. You can't separate Jesus from his church, because it's, it's his church. They come together. Um, in Acts 9, 1 to 6, we read this encounter where Saul um, is walking along. He has this incredible encounter with Jesus. And in verse 1, it says, um, Saul was eager to kill the Lord's followers, the church. And then Jesus appears through in verse 4, and um, uh, he, uh, Saul falls to the ground, and he, and he says, um, he hears this voice, and God says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. Not why are you persecuting the church, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. As Jesus is saying this. So he's, he's persecuting Jesus' followers, and Jesus says, you're persecuting me. So they're the same. The church and Jesus joined like this. Yes. Yes. We read in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. It's the heart-hitting verse for husbands. <laughs> Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Um, but that Jesus returns for his bride and shows us how he loves the church. Yes. Jesus loved the church. He gave up his life for her. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church. Yes. Same word, church. Okay. So the, the church is God's masterpiece. Not, not just John is a masterpiece, but the church is God's masterpiece because John's in the church. Um, masterpiece united with Jesus and the chosen uh, vehicle, if you like, for the master plan to be outworked. Um, hopefully we know, and, and, and if we don't, I'm here to tell you that the church is people. The church is not a building. The church is not an organisation. The church is not an event. Um, the church is not something that I spectate. The church is people. Okay? We are the church. If we're born again, if we're saved, we are the church. Um, the word church, the Greek um, word for that is ecclesia. Has anyone heard that word, ecclesia? Ecclesia. Um, that's the, that's the word that's used in Matthew 16, where we just read, and again throughout the New Testament. And it means a called out assembly of people. Don't worry, the master plan will never fail. <laughs> it's a called out assembly of people. 
Um, the Bible refers to such people as um, a chosen generation, yes. a special people or royal priesthood. Um, it re- even refers to him as his precious Lord of the Rings vibes. <laughs> but the church is also his masterpiece. Um, the church is planned, designed, and created by God. Um, it's his people where he dwells. Um, God never planned the church to be a material building. Um, some references for you. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 10. We won't read the whole thing. But verse 5 says, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Um, God never planned the church to be a denomination. We, we are not denominational. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 6 Again, I won't read you the whole thing, but it says um, uh, the, the letter to the Corinthians, you're jealous of one another and you quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and the other one says, I follow Apollos, aren't you just acting like people of the world? After all, who's Apollos and who's Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did what the, the work that the Lord gave us. Um, we're not denominational. The church, God never planned the church to be an extension of Judaism. John 10, 16. uh, uh, This is Jesus talking. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. He's talking to Jewish people. And he says, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Okay? The, the church is not just about Jewish people, it's about all people. God never planned the church to be his plan B, um, the, the plan B of his, of his idea to extend his kingdom. Um, we've got another slide on the screen, Ephesians 3, uh, 8 to 11, um, but we'll just read verse 10 for now. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety, to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? So his purpose was to use the church, and this was his eternal plan, which means, uh, remember Alpha and Omega earlier? Before everything, God said, I know what I'll do. I'll use the church. So God's plan is that the church is built on Jesus. Ephesians 2.20, we're his house. The cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. God's plan is that the church is Christ-centered. Ephesians 5.23, as a husband is the head of his wife, Christ is the head of the church. God's plan is that the church is holy. Ephesians 5.27, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Uh, And we read in the same verse that God's plan is that the church is glorious. He did this to present himself to her as a glorious church. God's plan is that the church is fully functional in the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, uh, 11 to 12, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, 
Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church. God's plan is that the church is united and growing into full maturity. Not an immature child, but growing into full maturity. Ephesians 4.13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's a... That's a I'm going to take this down. That's a... Um, that's a tall order, isn't it? <laughs> Measuring up to the complete standard of Christ. But that's what the church is. And that's the church God is building. None of us are finished. <laughs> We've got more to go. There's more maturity for us to come. And God's plan is that the church is a family. Yes. Ephesians 2.19. Um, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Okay. Ephesians is full of these phrases and declarations of what the church is. And you don't read anywhere that the church meets at Meadowdale. You don't read anywhere that the church is this physical building. It's all people things. It's a family. It's, it looks glorious. It's a masterpiece. God's, God's plan for our lives is never independent of the church. I'm going to say that again. I think this is really important for us. God's plan for my life, God's plan for your life, is never independent of the church. And actually, we can only fully outwork his plan for our life in the context of church. Okay? Because it's the church that is his master plan. When we realise what the church is, and who fills the church, it stops being something that we just attend. And it starts to become part of our everyday lives. It doesn't mean that I'm sat on this seat every day of the week. But church, people, Mandy Russell, like God's plan for my life includes Mandy and James and Grace and Becky and Steve. It includes everybody. The church is God's master plan for extending his kingdom. Um, we don't choose to be a part of the church. I'm talking big C church. Of course, you, you, you choose a local church that you want to be a part of. But the moment you're saved, you're added to the church. That's what happens. Um, so we don't choose to be a part of the church, but we can choose to be planted in a local church where we can outwork God's master plan together. That's the amazing thing about local church. Local church isn't just about getting together for a sing song, but it's about all of us outworking God's master plan, which is extending his kingdom on earth. Ooh. <laughs> the lo the, yeah, I need to say that again. The local church isn't just about us all coming and sitting next to each other and listening to somebody speak or singing a song. The local church is about all of us extending his kingdom. Or like on the map, that's what the local church is. Wow. Yes, we gather together to sing because we worship Jesus, but it's so much more than that. As good as that is, it's about extending his kingdom. The very thing which he planned for us long, long, long ago. Um, 
just to kind of wrap things up, the, the video that we watched earlier, here's some quotes from that video. And the lady in the video, she was the architect. You might have figured that out. Um, but she was the architect. And because of her vision, that building won the house of the year. And here's some things that it said. They said that this building, it's, he said, it's a temple to light. You know, we are, it says in the word that we're God's temple, not physically, but as a people. And we're a temple to him. He's the light. It's a temple to light. They said that that building allows you to explore new encounters. And the church does that. The church, God's people, allows us to explore new encounters with him. That building was infused by the architect's idea of what people need. Um, you might have remembered they said, like, every room in the house has at least two or three ways that you can see outside because people need light and they need to be connected with nature. And then I loved the, 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 um, the walled garden and that stone wall. Um, it said, every one of those stones was fitted by the craftsman who made it. So you've got that guy, the wallpaper guy, <laughs> looking at all these stones. He's like, oh yeah, that one, go there. And then he gets the back of his axe thing and he knocks a little bit off to get it in the right. Um, every stone was, they said, a labour of love. Every stone was selected and fitted just like making a jigsaw. And then right at the end, Kevin, in the way that he does, this house exudes excellence. That's what he said. This house exudes excellence and is built with a commitment to craftsmanship. And if you work with an award-winning architect, you're in another realm. What they produce will be one of another world. They will transport you and you will taste greatness. And I just want to say that the, the church is... Me and you. It's me and you. And it's us that the architect places into the plan in exactly the right way. There's a reason, Susan, that you're where you are. Because the architect has put you there in just the right way. Knocked a few bits off as he places you into the wall, but you're there and you fit just right. That's what the architect does. He lovingly places us into the building. And I just think it's amazing that we are the people, bearing in mind all the stuff we do wrong, <laughs> all the times we fail, that we are the people that he chooses to extend his kingdom on earth. It's amazing. The church, therefore, is where heaven meets earth. That's our calling. That's what he's called us to do. And just to sort of close this off, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm aware that, you know, we talk about the fact that the, the church is God's master plan, which is us, we're his master plan, and that there's a way that we fit into it. And you might be here kind of thinking, I actually, I don't know how I fit in. Um, sometimes because of maybe the way that we grow up or our experience of church, sometimes we get a little bit boxed into, well, the only way I fit into the church is on a rotor or 
or by ticking this box on a Sunday. And sometimes that's our concept of how do I fit into God's plan for the church? And it's so much more than that. It's God's plan to extend his kingdom isn't just tick the I'm going to serve teas and coffees box. It's how can I extend his kingdom like 24-7, <laughs> not just 10.30 till 12 on a Sunday. And so um, I would love to, if, if you're feeling unsure about which bit of the wall, which bit of the jigsaw piece is you, how you fit, if you're unsure about what, what is God's plan for me in all of this? I, I get that it's the church, but like, but how does that translate to me and what I'm doing and my job and where I live and my family, my finance? Like, how does that fit with me? And if you're unsure about that and would like to um, hear from God more of his plan for you, for your life specifically, then I'd love for us to, to pray with you and Phil, Sean, Stephen, Mandy, me, any of us really, um, we'd be really happy to do that. But I believe God wants a people who know who they are in the context of his master plan. He will fill the earth and Jesus will return for his bride, which is us. And until that moment, there's things for us to do in his plan. And so if you'd like to um, know more about that this morning, then we'd love to pray for you and, and you just hear God's plan for your life. Um, so... Yeah, if you remember nothing else from today, we're his masterpiece and we are his master plan chosen to extend his kingdom on earth. That's my message summary in uh, 10 seconds. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.